Hey everyone, this is Stephen Overbaugh and you're listening to my podcast. And as always, thank you for joining me and listening to the Word of God that's being taught right here on this platform, on this podcast. We're going to continue to look at the Word of God um, on the subject of the thing we have been talking about for the last couple weeks, talking about how the Lord is our shepherd and how we're to cast all of our cares upon the Lord. And so that's been our subject. And the main text, our main text for that subject has been Psalms chapter 23. And if we're going to start off from that point again. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Psalms chapter 23. And let's look at the first verse. Psalms chapter 23, verse 1. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. I shall not want. You know, it's so vitally important. It's so very important that believers come to the realization, come to the understanding and revelation that God does not want or it is not God's will for his children to have any wants in life. Or it is not God's will that believers go through life wanting for anything. No, but it is God's will that all of their wants be met. All of their needs be supplied. That's a footnote of my Bible. I shall not want, I shall not be in need. And so either one is correct. But it is God's desire that we not have any wants in life. It's his will that all of our needs be met. For according to his word... In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, coming over into the New Testament, into the New Covenant, we find that it says, But my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And, you know, this is a revelation, like I said, that believers need to get a hold of. They need to have understanding of the will of God concerning their life. That God does not desire that his children go through life wanting. It's not God's will that his children go through life being in need or having need. But no, it's God's will, God's desire, God's plan that all of our needs be met, all of our wants be fulfilled. Because why? Because he is my shepherd. And it is because he's my shepherd that he has given us all of our needs, met all of our needs, supplied all of our needs. It's because of who he is as our shepherd that we don't have to go through life lacking or wanting for anything. And now somebody may say that this is an Old Testament scripture, that this was back under the old covenant but we just read in philippians chapter 4 verse 19 or just quoted it rather that god desires to supply all of our needs and that there is a supply for all of our needs according to his riches and glory by christ jesus notice he said but my god shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory 
He has riches in glory, and it's because of Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus. And so that is God's desire, and that is a better covenant established upon better promises. Coming over into the New Testament, we find that to be true in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. It says that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established upon better promises. Furthermore, if God had promised Israel under the Old Covenant, under the Old Testament, that all of their needs be met, that they should not want, that they should be blessed, and we know that to be true in Deuteronomy 28, if that was God's will under the Old Covenant, but it wasn't His will for us under the New Covenant, then we might as well go back under the Old Covenant to get a better promise from God. And it's so, and that's, that's why we should take a look at these things, take a step back and realize that God not only fulfilled the Old Covenant through His Son, Jesus Christ, but that He came to bring us a better covenant established in His blood. And part of that better covenant, what is provided in that better covenant, is that all of our needs be met, all of our wants be supplied and, and met, and that we go through life with the full supply, because He has riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And like I said, that's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. But notice that Psalms 23 gives us a revelation of who God is in our life not talking about who God is to the world. For He is not Lord to the world. He is not Father to the world. But He is Father and He is Lord to the church. And He is Father to His children. And we're in the family of God. We're in the the uh, house of God. We've come in to His house into his um, covenant and therefore what God has and all that he enjoys belongs to us because we're in him we're his children Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says for as many as are led by the spirit of God notice they are the sons of God and then he says we've not received the spirit of of bondage again to fear. This is verse 15, Romans 8, 15. But we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I want you to notice that because we have not received the spirit of bondage, but we've received the spirit of adoption, that we cry, we call on God as Abba, Father. And he has become our Father. And so because he is our father, because he is our Lord, we can come to him with everything that we need. And notice it says here, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Thank God that we don't have to go through life wanting. Thank God that we don't have to go through life having need. I think a lot of times that people struggle with this understanding, struggle with these types of verses and these types of scriptures because they 
have been religiously brainwashed rather than New Testament taught. And they have been told by uh, others in life, even been told by their former pastors or or former minister, they heard it from somebody, that God didn't want them to have anything. That God wants you to go through life poor, to stay in humility. There's a lot of, of old doctrines out there that don't line up with the scripture. There's a lot of um, doctrines of man and doctrines of devils even that don't that are out there floating around in the church today that are misleading the body of Christ. And they make God out to be who he isn't. They make God look like something he isn't. They they cause these these old doctrines cause God to look in such a way that he is not to make him out to be a God who doesn't want you to have anything who doesn't want you to be blessed but no that doesn't line up with his word and rather than living your life and basing your life and your beliefs off of what somebody else told you you ought to go back to the word and find out what God actually said in his word to know his will and the issue a lot of times that Christians have with their life, in their life, is, and the reason why they struggle so much in life is that they really don't know the Word as they should. They may claim to know the Word. They may claim to be a Word person. They may claim to be a believer. But really, in all reality, they don't even know what the Word actually says. What does the Word say? What does the Word say? I always like to ask that, and I always teach this. You ought to know what the Word says for yourself. Not what somebody else told you it said, but what you've looked at and found out the Word to say. What you've come to find the the Word says. The Word has an answer for every single area of life, every single situation in life. And if we'll just take the time to open his word, to read his word, to study his word, we'll find our answers. We'll find that what we that those things that we need. And we'll find that God is a good God that wants to supply all of our needs, who wants to do good to us, who wants to heal us, who wants to deliver us. And actually, according to his word, has already done all of those things, already done those things in Christ. See, if you live in the Old Testament, if you live under the Old Covenant and read under the Old Covenant, then you'll constantly be looking for God to do something. You'll constantly be asking for God to do something for you. When in reality, we're living in the New Covenant where it has already been finished and sealed in the blood of Christ. There is no other work to be done because Christ finished the work. He's already given us the victory. He's already blessed us. He's already healed us. He's already delivered us from the power of darkness. It's already a finished work, and it's for us to walk in the light of what has already been done for us in Christ. Glory be to God. But notice that the Lord is our shepherd, and we shall, according to this word, this uh, scripture that we're looking at here in Psalms 23, because he is our shepherd, we're called to not want 
we're called to not be in need. And a lot of times people will look at things like this, but then they'll reason in themselves, well, I have needs, I have wants. I have things that I don't have. I struggle in this certain area. How can it be the will of God if I'm struggling in this area? Well, the will of God doesn't change based on what your situation looks like. In other words, God is the same whether you have a million dollars in the bank or zero dollars in the bank. The will of God doesn't change. It's still his will that you have no wants or no needs, but that all your needs be supplied and that you have a full supply. Actually, the Bible definition of rich and richness is to have a full supply where you always have what you need, where you always have more than enough. That's the Bible definition of being rich is a full supply. But what I've always said and what I've taught is that if you see something in the Word and you clearly see that it's the will of God for your life, but you're not experiencing it currently in your life as you should, as you know you're supposed to, then go to the Lord about that and say, Lord, I know that this is your will and I know that this is what you have for me and I thank you that this that I'm walking in the light of this more and more. And you know we can choose to come into the light if we want to. We can choose to walk in the light of what he's provided for us. Even if we haven't been enjoying his promises like we should have, we can come into those promises. We can start to experience those things. We can start to walk those things out in our life. Those things can become a reality and we can begin to enjoy the blessings of God more and more. But it takes us Renewing our mind to the word and being doers of the word. Remember, Psalms chapter 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And uh, Psalms 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of your word giveth light. And so see, the more we look at the word, the more light comes. The more light comes. And shines upon our heart and shines upon our eyes. And we, the more we'll begin to see. And so if you want to walk in the light of these things, if you want to ha- enjoy the blessings of God, you got to get into his word. And you gotta, you got to get into his word and get that light in your life. Begin to see it. And, let that, and then begin to walk in the light of what he's provided for you. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You know, I thank God in my life personally for blessing me and for um, causing me to grow up in these things. You know, I didn't grow up in a denominational church. I didn't grow up in a Baptist church or an AG church or any kind of church like that. I I was raised in a word of faith, spirit-filled church. And I've just, this is all I've ever known. I've always understood the word of faith I've always understood the principles of faith. I've always understood the um, the things of the Spirit, the flow of the Spirit, um, the moves of the Spirit. And, you know, I've just been blessed to enjoy these things and to have been raised in these things. But 
there's so many times that people aren't raised in these things and they have to unlearn a lot of things. Those things which they've been taught, they have to unlearn those things. And you can't move forward in the plan of God and move forward to enjoy the blessings of God if you're holding on to path, the past. Things that you were told that don't line up with the Word of God, trying to hold on to those old dead doctrines that don't line up with the Word of God. No, you have to let go of those former things in order to enjoy the blessings that God has for you. Hallelujah. And so, and so many people, this is their, this is their issue. They have to let go. They have to change their thinking. They have to change their uh, mind. Let their mind be renewed to the Word of God so that their life can change. So let's look at it again. Look at the Word. What does the Word say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not be in need, like the footnote of my Bible says. And both are correct. Notice what verse 2 says. Says he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Notice that when he talks about green pastures and still waters, that represents a place of prosperity. That's a place that of provision. Glory be to God. A place of peace and rest. Glory. And, then he, and notice that he maketh me to lie down in those places, and he leadeth me to those places. You know, if we'll do things God way, God's way, if we'll do things his way and let him lead us and guide us, he'll take us to those still and restful waters. He'll make us to lie down in green pastures. He can cause us to um, enjoy the best and to have the best. But we have to trust him and we have to let him lead us and guide us. Not leading ourselves, not doing it our way, but letting the Lord lead us into those places. You know, I've told the Lord in my life personally, because there's been times when I've been tempted to want to do things a certain way or to follow after certain endeavors. Um, there were certain opportunities that came up in my life over the years, have come up in my life over the years that um, seemed like good opportunities to um, better my situation or to uh, make more money or to, um, you know, just to, just to um, have a different uh, way of life or just to, to try out these opportunities. There's just been a lot of um, different things that have presented themselves over the years through people and through other things. And the Lord has dealt with me specifically in every single one of the situations, not to look to reason, not to look to man as the source and not to just pursue after those opportunities, but let the Lord, let him do the leading and the guiding, do it his way. And I've always promised the Lord I would do it his way, that I would always follow him and obey him in my in every area of my life and I have made that promise to the Lord that I was going to do it his way and the Lord has prospered me as a result of obeying him and trusting him and following his spirit you know um, I remember something that brother Haken 
talked about. He said the Lord Jesus spoke to him personally and said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. Well, there's a big difference between having things and then those things having you. God's not opposed to us being rich. God's not opposed to wealth, like so many Christians think. They think that money is evil, but actually the scripture doesn't teach that. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says that it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Not money itself, but it's the love of money. And uh, Jesus taught this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, you cannot serve God and money, or mammon, as the King James says. So see, both of these scriptures substantiate the same thing, that God has to be first in your life, and money, though it's okay to have it, cannot be God, and you cannot covet it in your life. God's not opposed to us having things, God's not opposed to us enjoying life and being rich. But no, we just can't be covetous or love money or put money first or put those other things first. No, we put God first and then those things are added to us and brought into our lives as we trust him. But glory be to God, I'm going to be rich and I'm going to prosper in the plan of heaven. How about you? Because God needs people in these last days uh, believers in these last days who have a full supply and can bring that supply into the house of God so that the work of the Lord can be accomplished. You know, I remember something the Lord spoke to me uh, one time uh, when I was in a time of prayer in the Spirit. What the Lord showed me was that in these last days there were go there's going to be a full supply in the house of God again. That there's going to be a full supply in the church. I'm talking about the church as a whole, that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be fully funded, fully supplied, and have provision to do the work of the Lord in these last days. And you know, I believe that word, but that's not for everybody. Not everybody qualifies for more. There's some in this in the body of Christ, some in the church, that don't qualify for more. They don't qualify because they're not doers of the word. They don't qualify because, because they haven't learned to trust God with the money that they have. They haven't, they haven't learned to obey God with their money. They're not tithers and givers. And therefore, God cannot trust them with more. And they don't qualify for more. But those that are faithful and those that do trust Him and those that are obedient to Him with what they have, he'll be able to trust them with more. He'll be able to do more with them and through them. They qualify for greater blessings. And they, uh, I want to qualify for more, don't you? But see, God is not opposed to us being rich. God's not opposed to us having things. God's not opposed to us being wealthy. You know, um, Deuteronomy chapter 28 talks all about this the blessing of the Lord. Being blessed in the plan of God, having substance, having um, a full supply, having the treasure of the Lord opened to them. And, oh, and on and on and on. I would encourage you to go back and read it. But 
it is God's will. And how do we know his will? Well, we know his will. We can find out what his will is through his word, by getting into his word. His word is his will. And so I know the will of God because I look at his word and find out from his word what his will is. And so it is the will of God that we be blessed. It's the will of God that I not want or not be in need. For he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. Verse 3 of Psalms chapter 23, verse 3 says, He restoreth my soul, and he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And we talked about this. The restoring of the soul is also the renewing of the soul. And Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Third uh, John, the epistle, the third epistle of John, um, chapter 1, says in verse 3, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Notice this next part. Even as thy soul prospers. That's in 3 John verse 2, actually. Not verse 3, but verse 2. Notice what he said. I wish that thou prosper and be in health. Notice the two things that he's talking about here. Prosperity and health. Glory be to God. You know, um, three things that came as a result of the curse. Three, um, three things that happened as a result of the curse of the law. And three curse, the three things that we were redeemed from in Christ when we were redeemed from the curse of the law. But there were three things that the, the curse of the law included. It included separation from God. It included poverty and lack. And it included sickness and disease. Those were the three things that came as a result of the curse of the law. And the three things that we've been redeemed from through Christ, because of Christ, because of his blood, are we've been redeemed from separation. We've been redeemed from being separated from God. We've been redeemed from poverty and lack. We've been redeemed from sickness and disease. In other words, we can't. We have been brought back to God. We can enjoy blessing and prosperity, and we can enjoy divine health and healing. Galatians chapter three, verse thirteen and fourteen said, "Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us." For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Notice that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Let's see, but I want you to know that the curse was threefold. It was separation from God, it was poverty and lack, and it was sickness and disease. But the blessing of the Lord is threefold. It's fellowship with God. It's prosperity, and it's health and healing. And thanks 
be to God, we can enjoy prosperity and we can enjoy health and healing because we have fellowship with him. But notice 3 John chapter 2, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Notice, prosper and be in health. But this is the next part I want to get to. Even as thy soul prospereth. Well, when he's talking about the soul, when the word talks about the soul, he's talking about the mind, your mind. And when note, I want you to notice that when your soul is prospering, then you'll prosper in other areas. When your soul is prospering, you'll be in health in your life. You'll enjoy health. You'll enjoy healing. See, prosperity and health is connected to your soul prospering. And how does our soul prosper? Well, it prospers through the renewing of the mind. Our minds being renewed to the word of God. Remember Psalms 23 verse 3. He restoreth my soul. Hallelujah. It's not just a, a mind that thinks positively. This, you know, the, the word of faith message and the message of faith and the principles of faith are not, it's not just positive thinking and positive thinking uh, and positive speaking. It's not just positive thinking and positive speaking. But no, it's thinking in line with the word of God. It's speaking in line with the word of God. The world can think positively and speak positively. In fact, some people have even come to understand in the world the principles or the practices of thinking positively and speaking positively. But that's where it stops for them. Just being positive isn't enough. Just having a positive outlook on life or having a positive behavior, uh, attitude and behavior isn't enough. No, we have to have our minds renewed to the Word of God so that we think like God thinks and so that we talk like God talks. Because when you practice the Word, when you're a doer of the Word, when you align your life to the Word, then you get what the, the results that the Word promises you. And here in verse 3, he said, He restoreth my soul. And you know what? Thank God that our soul doesn't have to be... Um, in the gutter of the world and thank God that our soul doesn't have to think like the world thinks but no thank God that our soul can be restored in him and it is restored through the word and notice that following that he said he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake he goes on to say verse 4 though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil, for you are with me, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Notice God is a comfort to us. God is our comforter. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Verse 5 says, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil, and my cup, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Glory be to God. See, Psalms 23 is so powerful. There's so much revelation. It's full of life. It's full of the Spirit. 
and understand that Psalms 23 is the time that we're living in. We're living in Psalms 23, a time when the Lord is our shepherd. And because he is our shepherd, he goes on to to um, teach in verses 1 through 6 about the life, the kind of life that we're called to live. Until finally we get to verse 6, we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But thank God for it. Thank God that he is our shepherd. And because he is our shepherd, we don't have to have need or wants. We don't have to be afraid of danger. We don't have to be afraid of the shadow of death. He prepares a table. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup runneth over. Goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. There's so much there. And it's such a wonderful portion of scripture and wonderful revelation in it. But I want to jump over to the New Testament now. I want us to look at Philippians chapter 4. And let's look at the sixth verse. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. It says now in verse 6, Be careful for nothing. Well, now that's a little bit blind to us, isn't it? Have you ever heard anybody today say, be careful for nothing? No, we don't talk like that anymore. Actually, if you look it up, study it out, look it up in the Amplified, it, it reads, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Well, what am I going to do if, I'm not, if I can't worry? What am I going to do if I'm not going to be able to worry? Well, we're supposed to trust God. According to the word, our, our trust is to be in the Lord. We're to look to him and come to him as our shepherd. But he says here, be careful or worried for nothing. And like the Amplified translation says, like I just quoted, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in everything, he goes on to say, by prayer, by supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of times people want to enjoy verse 7. They want to enjoy the benefits of verse 7, the peace of God. But in order to enjoy what verse 7 promises us, in order to enjoy what verse 7 says, we have to first do verse 6. In order to have verse 7, we have to first have or first do Verse 6, which says, be careful for nothing. In other words, you can't enter into the peace of God, which passes all understanding, the peace of God, which will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You can't have that until you first are a doer of the word and choose not to fret or have any anxiety about anything. No, you have to make a decision that I refuse to worry about anything in life. This is a place that very few Christians have attained to. 
actually to worry and fret is to sin. And people don't even realize it. We're very well acquainted with the sins of the flesh. We're very well acquainted and very well um, accustomed to the sins of the flesh. Things that are wrong in the flesh. Sins that are committed in the flesh. Believers could tell you, any pretty much any Christian could tell you what the sins of the flesh are. Adultery, fornication, lying, stealing, all those things. But very few Christians are familiar with spiritual sins. In fact, that, that isn't taught on very much. Spiritual sins. Spiritual sins is something that's not taught on very much at all. And, so, and some of you right now are even wondering, what is a spiritual sin? A spiritual sin or spiritual sin is sins committed internally in your spirit. Worrying and fretting is sin, but it's a spiritual sin. Worrying and fretting, having anxiety, being unforgiving and unlovely towards others. That's, those are spiritual sins. And, you know, the Lord will judge spiritual sins just like he'll judge natural sins or sins of the flesh. And, you know, in the eyes of God, it's all sin. It's all sin. It's not pleasing to him. And according to the scripture, there is a command from the Lord that we be careful for nothing, that we don't worry or fret or have any anxiety about anything in life. And like I said, this is a place that very few Christians attain to. To get to the place in life where you don't have a worry or, or care about anything. Not about family members. Not about money. Not about physical things. Not about the future. Not about the past. No, nothing in life deserves or is deserving of the place of, of us worrying and fretting about those things. There's nothing that has the right to sit on the pedestal or on the throne of our mind and our heart and take over as Lord. But no, everything should be brought in subjection to the obedience of Christ and to the will of God and to the word of God. We're to bring all of the, those things down and in line under the word of God to cast all of our cares upon the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 6 here, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, I think this is where Christians miss it a lot of times. They are not letting their requests be made known unto God as they should. They don't know how to pray as they should. And if they do pray, they kind of throw together some sort of prayer of doubt and unbelief and griping and complaining and worrying and fretting. They come to God on the basis of their feelings and they come to God begging God to do something and there's not an ounce of, an ounce of faith mixed with it. And they get up from that prayer, that prayer time of begging and bawling and squalling, and then go right back to worrying and fretting about things. 
Well, you know, you're not going to get results that way. True prayer is in line with the Word of God. If you're going to get results in your prayer time, you're going to have to pray in line with the Word of God. And the, the way the Bible says to pray concerning things that may come against you, cares and worries that you may be facing, the way the Bible says to do it is to pray, bring supplication, which is an earnest or heartfelt request, with thanksgiving. In other words, with thanksgiving, we are to thank God and to bless God and to worship God when we come to Him. Not gripe and complain. Not bawl and squall. Not beg. But no, come with thanksgiving. Come with rejoicing. Come with praise unto God. Why? Because He's already given us the victory. He's already given us the answer. He's already... Uh, made us more than conquerors. We're already in the covenant. We're his children. We're covenant children. The inheritance is ours. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So we're to come to God according to the word with thanksgiving. And through thanksgiving, through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let our requests be made known unto God. Now, I like to point this out. Jesus said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, 32, and prior to that also, he says in verse 8, for instance, your heavenly Father, your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. That's in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, he says, Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. What are the things that he's talking about? The things that you need, the things that you desire. And he says here that your heavenly Father knoweth the things that you have need of before you ask him. And I find that interesting. God knows what we need. God knows what we desire. And yet, even though God knows, he still expects us to come to him and let our requests be made known unto him. God wants us to come to him with our requests. Some believers think, well, if God knows everything, then why do I need to pray? Why do I need to come to him and ask? It doesn't he, if he's going to do it, if it's his will, then he'll just do it for me. And if it's, if it's not his will, he won't. But see, that's not accurate according to the scripture. No, in order to receive from God even though he already knows what you have need of, in order to receive from him, you have to let your requests be made known unto God in faith, in thanksgiving, practicing the word, coming to him on the basis of his word, which is his will, and let those things be made known. And once you let your requests be made known unto God, then the peace of God can usher in and keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You know, guys, I've gotten to the place in my life where I just refuse to worry or fret about anything, even if I don't have answers to questions, even if I don't know what I'm going to do, even if there's deadlines and, and timelines on things. I refuse to worry or fret about anything. I've said to the Lord, Lord, I don't have any worries or cares. You've got them. You've got them. 
I refuse to worry about or fret it about it anything. And I remember when I was a young man years ago and I was trying to decide on whether or not I was, should go to Bible school. And, um, you know, obviously that's not a wrong decision to go to Bible school, but you, but even if things are good and seem good in the natural, we still have to be led by the Spirit and make sure that we're doing the right thing and the, doing exactly what the Lord wants us to do, not just uh, stepping out into things that are not His will for our life personally. And so I was struggling with the decision of whether to go or whether to stay. I was helping uh, my parents in ministry at the time and just didn't want to leave an empty hole. And so I was struggling and I was um, very upset about the decision that had to be made very soon. There was not much time left to make a decision on what I was going to do. And I kept going to the Lord asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? What should I do? And every time I went to him, every time I asked him, I was praying, but I wasn't praying in faith. I was asking God, and I had a, a whine in my voice, and I had a worry in my tone, and I wasn't getting answers. But then one night I was studying and just try and fellowshipping with the Lord. I was looking at the Word, and all of a sudden the Lord spoke in my hair, spark, uh, the Lord spoke in my spirit spoke to me in my spirit and he said when you're in faith then you're in rest and that just enlightened my spirit and i saw something there that you know just helped me in my life and has helped me even up to this present time i can't receive from god i can't receive what he has for me if i'm constantly worrying and fretting about things. I'm not in rest, and therefore I can't receive. But if I'm truly in faith, like I say I'm in faith, and believe God, then I'm going to rest in my mind, be at peace in my soul, and cast all my cares onto Him. Well, I, from that night on, I decided I wasn't going to worry or fret about anything anymore. It wasn't long after that that the Lord was able to speak to my heart clearly and show me that I was to go to Bible school. And I obeyed him and went. And there was great blessing that came as a result of it. The point I want to make to you is that you're not going to be able to receive from God as you should and hear from God clearly as you need to until you cast all your cares onto him, get into faith, and enter into rest. And Hebrews 4 chapter 4 talks about that. Those that believe do enter into rest. Well, if we truly believe God like we say we do, then we will be at peace and at rest and cast all our cares upon him, knowing that he cares for us. Glory be to God. Guys, I hope you are blessed by this uh, teaching. I know that it blesses me. Remember that you can follow the uh, ministry on Facebook and on YouTube and on Rumble and all these other different platforms. You can follow the ministry uh, at stephenoverbaugh.com. And there's a lot of great things happening at Stephen Overbaugh Ministries. Thank you to all my partners who um, have joined with me in faith and in prayer and uh, financially as well to be a part of the mandate and be a part of what God is doing in these last days. So thank you, and we'll see you next time.